Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. He's a miracle, wonder-working God, amen? He did it before, he'll do it again. He did it for them, he wants to do it for us. I wanna welcome everybody joining us at all of our Christ Fellowship locations, everybody here at Gardens, everybody joining us online. Big shout out to Port St. Lucie. Port St. Lucie, you are packing it out in Port St. Lucie. We thought that building was too big when we built it, but it's not too big for what God is doing up in Port St. Lucie, so excited. Hey, um, before I jump into um, my message on miracles, I wanna tell you about a miracle that's actually taking place down in, in Boca Raton. As you know, two years ago this week, we launched our Boca campus. So happy birthday, Boca, you're two years old. We bought a Methodist church down there. We call it our cabin in the woods. Uh, because it looks like a cabin, but they're packing it out with three services. And sometimes there's only standing room only, people getting saved, people that never been to church before, coming to church, finding Jesus. We knew all along that we were gonna have to tear that building down because it was too small and build something on that property. But as we've been there, we've realized that property is just too small. There's no way we can build what we need to contain the people. So we started praying about, Lord, is there someplace else in Boca we could go? And if you know Boca, there's not a whole lot of land in Boca. And so we were driving around and we found this uh, building about a block down the street. It was a furniture store. And uh, we went in because we thought they were shut down because there was nobody in the parking lot. And they just had the, 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 the people and the employees were working and nobody was selling anything. And we said, we need to buy this building. So we called them and said, can we buy your building? And they said, no. So we called their management and said, hey, we wanna buy that building in Boca, will you sell it to us? And they said, no. We said, why not? Nobody's buying furniture. You need to sell it to us. They said, no. We called their headquarters. We made them an offer. We said, you need to sell us this building. They said, no. Well, we kept praying, we kept praying, we kept fasting, we kept praying. And a couple of months back, they called us and said, we wanna sell you a building. We said, yeah, so we have a contract on this right here, the Macy's Furniture Gallery on Glades Road, 50,000 square feet of property, all the parking we could want. Look, at there's just hundreds and hundreds of parking. Look at that thing. It's right, we can move in right now. Just let's do church there, right? Woo! I'm glad you all are clapping because we still got to pay for it. I just said we had a contract on it, so. Anyway, so God's doing, that's a, if you know Boca, that's a miracle right there in Jesus' name, amen. We got miracles happening uh, all across our church. I could tell you, I got Robin's, uh, Robin is up in Stewart and, and she had a debilitating pain for the last two years in her head, her neck, down her legs and her back, could hardly allow her to move. She came forward for prayer. They anointed with oil, prayed for her, came back two weeks later and she said, the pain that I've had every day for two years is gone. She's pain free. She's a different person. I can tell you about a teenager in our church named Zuri. And uh, Zuri, uh, the doctors found a growth 
in Zuri and they said the only way to take care of this growth is it has to be surgically removed. Zuri went to uh, revival nights and on the last night of revival night, she went forward for prayer. They anointed her with oil, prayed for her. That night she felt something different in her body. The mom took her back to the doctors. They ran the same scans. There's no growth. It's gone, gone, not there, no more. I got this uh, report from Mike Williams, who's down at our Boca campus, and he says this. He says, I was diagnosed with, I'm gonna try to pronounce this, ankylosing spondylitis in 2020. AS is an incurable inflammatory disease that in my specific case was fusing my lower vertebrae together. He said he was in ex extreme pain. He couldn't, Daisy couldn't bend over and put on his shoes. And he said, my x-rays in 2020 showed it already had partial fusion between two vertebrae. The surrounding area was severely inflamed, indicating that more fusion was happening. I am a man of faith, saved by God's grace, but I still had my doubts about whether miracles could really happen today, especially to a guy like me. And he goes on to say, so on the first, for the very first time on Sunday, April 23rd, 2023, I love that he knows the date. On April 23rd, I prayed to God wholeheartedly that he would heal me of this disease. And later that week on Friday, I had a doctor's appointment where they took new x-rays to check on the progression of the spinal fusion. The x-rays came back 30 minutes later, zero inflammation, no infusion anywhere to be found. Even the vertebrae that were already fused together and could not be reversed without surgery were perfectly healed. No fusion, no more pain. Wow, God. Now, now some of us, we'll hear stories like this and we'll go, did that lady really have debilitating pain? Or was it just a bad couple days, right, Todd? I mean, did that girl really have a growth? Maybe the MRI machine was broken, you know, that day, yeah. Or Mike, did he really have ankylosing spondylite? I can't even say that word. What is that anyway? Now, when it comes to stories in the Bible, woo, you know, the blinded eyes opened up, the lame people leaping for joy, Lazarus coming back from the, I came out of that grave. We're like, glory to God, woo, yeah. But we think sometimes, well, maybe that's because it was Jesus. Or maybe it was those dis disciples, those apostles. Maybe they had some special powers that we don't have today. Can I read you the words of Jesus found in John 14, verse 12? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even, what's that word? Greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, Jesus says. He says that you and I, you, we are gonna do greater works through the power of the Holy Spirit, which means the supernatural should be natural to us. Miracles should be happening on Monday. Signs and wonders on Wednesday. The unthinkable on Thursday, see what I'm saying? Like every day we should be walking in the supernatural like the people in the Bible did. That was, it was normal. They, it was, they, they, for Moses, you look on the Bible, Moses parting the Red Sea, manna falling from the sky, Ezekiel raising, no, Ezekiel, Elijah raising the dead boy back to life again. The, the widow's oil never running out through the entire famine, page after page after page of the miraculous. So the title of my message today is getting a mindset for a miracle. 
If you wanna experience a miracle, you actually have to get a mindset for a miracle. Now we said last week that um, we defined a miracle, one definition is the temporary suspension of the laws of nature, which are really the laws of God because God created nature and all the laws therein. He created everything so he can suspend anything whenever he wants to, right? We also defined uh, miracles as the supernatural invading or interrupting the natural. And since we serve a supernatural God, he's gonna be interrupting the natural all the time. And when he does, can I tell you, it will stretch your faith. And at times it will blow your mind. Right? It'll make you go, I can't get my mind around that, which is okay because your mind is too small to get around the, all the power and the glory and the majesty and the ability of our God, amen? And once you get your mind around that, you're actually gonna be more open to the supernatural. As long as you go, well, I gotta understand it. I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta get my mind around it. As long as you are living that way, you are limiting God to your ability to understand God. But as soon as you go, oh, God is way beyond me, he is supernatural, man, you are gonna open yourself up to the supernatural work of God. We're talking about getting a mindset for a miracle. So today I wanna look at a story that we studied before, and I actually tried to get away from this story earlier a few weeks ago as I was preparing for this weekend, but I, I, I couldn't, and I'm believing there's, I got some new insights for us today. It's actually a part of the story that Julie preached uh, during revival nights about the woman reaching out for the hem of the garment. And if you missed that message that Julie preached, you need to go back and listen to it. It was an anointed, powerful word uh, and receive something from that today. So let's begin reading in Mark chapter five, verse 21. It says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd had gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A side note, same story is recorded in the Gospel of Luke around verse 40. It says on his return, when, they, when he returned to that side of the lake, it says he was welcomed by a crowd. They were, say that with me, expecting him. Oh, they, they were they were expecting Jesus. Can I tell you there is power in expectancy? Like when you come to God, you come with a sense of expectancy. It's actually called faith. We're expecting God to move because he's a moving God. We're expecting God to speak because he speaks. We're expecting God to work miracles because he's a wonder working God. So we actually come with a sense of, I am expecting God to show up and do something here. Have faith, this is faith. Faith is defined in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse one, as faith is being sure of what we, look at that, hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, I don't see it yet, but, but I'm, I'm certain of it. I'm, faith, I, I'm, I'm confident that God is able. I'm confident that he can do what he says he can do. Doesn't matter how long it's been broken, I know the one who can fix it. Doesn't matter how hopeless, the situation may be, hope is his middle name, so I, I'm okay here. Now notice in this story, Jairus, this synagogue leader, and that's significant because the synagogue rulers, the synagogue leaders, they were actually threatened by Jesus. 
Um, they, were, they were coming against Jesus. They were actually forbidding people to go follow Jesus or go to Jesus or be around Jesus. But notice Jairus is the one coming to Jesus. And notice, this is important, he had faith for somebody else. It says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she could be, he had faith that Jesus could actually do something for his daughter. Wasn't his daughter's faith. We don't even know if she had any faith. It was Jairus's faith, which tells us again, you can believe for somebody who doesn't even know what to believe for themselves. Because you've seen God do things that they haven't seen. You've seen bodies healed. You've seen marriages restored. You've seen addicts that have been set free, prodigal sons that have come home, daughters that have returned back. So we can actually have faith for them. So the story tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jairus's house. And this woman that has been sick for 12 years, fights her way through the crowd, crawls on her hands and knees, and she touches the hem of Jesus's garment and she is healed. She knew, she believed that if she could just get to Jesus, if she could just get to him, that he could do something for her that nobody else could. She'd been to all the doctors, they couldn't help. She, she believed that God had something better for her than what she was currently walking through. And I wanna tell somebody today, God has something better for you than what you are currently going through. And he's got more for you than you could imagine or think, but you gotta to get to Jesus. You can't stay where you are. So she reaches out and she touches his robe and it says in verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And Jesus looks around and he realizes the power has left his body and he sees this woman and she tells him the story. And then in verse 34, look at this, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has, not my robe, your faith, your expectancy, the fact that you actually trusted in me, looked to me, reached out for me, knew that I had something for you, your faith actually has healed you. No matter how impossible the situation looked, you had faith because you know that God specializes in the impossible. So she's healed. And as great as this is, while all this is going on, someone from Jairus's home comes to the synagogue ruler and says, we're so sorry, it's too late. Your daughter has died. Don't bother the master anymore. And it says in verse 36, look at this. But Jesus, ignoring what they said, can I just stop there for a minute? <laughs> Some of you just need to do that. You just need to ignore what people are saying in your ear. You need to ignore their negativity. You need to ignore their doubts. You need to ignore, uh, you're listening to people that don't have a clue about God. They don't have a clue. They're clueless about God and what he can do. They don't know what you know. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. You need to get a spirit of don't you tell me. Don't you tell me he can't do it. But Jesus, ignoring what was said, said to the synagogue official, don't be afraid, say that last part with me, only believe. Don't be afraid, only, there it is again, don't be afraid. Don't let fear 
rob you of your faith, right? I don't care how hopeless it feels. He says, don't be afraid, only I want somebody here today, those words, don't be afraid, only believe. God has, God has got you. You got fear and anxiety knocking at your door. Somebody spoke something negative over you. Somebody spoke something, said it's impossible, it's gone, it's dead, it's hopeless, it's over. Don't even pray about it anymore. I wanna tell you that impossible is where God gets started. Until it's impossible, you and I don't even need God to show up. But man, once it's impossible, God's like, okay, let me show up in the middle of that because I'm going to get all the glory. Don't be afraid. Only, only believe. Guess what? I looked it up in the Greek this week. Guess what only means? It means only. It, it means you are so full of faith in God that fear and worry and doubt, it can't even get in because you are so filled up. You're looking up, you're trusting, you're believing, you're filled up with the word of God. You're filled up with faith that with anything else, tries to get in there. It can't because you only believe there's no room. So Jairus takes Jesus home and it says that when Jesus, in verse 39, when he arrives at Jairus's home and everybody inside is weeping, it says he goes in to Jairus's house and he says, why all this commotion? Why all this wailing? The child is not asleep, dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went into where the child was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. That which was dead was now alive. Three things I see in this story that will help you get a mindset for your miracle. You need to write these down. In fact, I would tell you every Sunday when you come to church, you better be writing something down because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you don't want to forget it. So write it down. Take your phone out, write something down. Write a note down. Don't do your shopping list. Write something down. You need to remember this because you may not need a miracle now, but on Monday you're going to need one, okay? Three things you got to do to get a mindset for a miracle. Number one, in this story, you got to run to Jesus. you got to run to, don't walk to Jesus. Don't lallygag. I don't know what lallygag means, but don't do that. Run to Jesus. Jairus knew he had to run to Jesus. And he didn't care what anybody thought about him. Now remember, this dude's a synagogue ruler. And all the other synagogue rulers were saying, don't go to Jesus, he's the bad guy. He's against us, he's not God. What he's doing is blasphemous. Jairus didn't care. He didn't care what all of them were gonna say about him. He didn't even care if it meant his job. He was desperate for Jesus. So it says he ran to Jesus and he fell down before him. He was desperate for Jesus. Now apparently, Jairus uh, had heard about Jesus. Apparently, he knew what Jesus could do for him, what Jesus had done. He had heard about Jesus, but can I tell you, knowing about Jesus is not the same thing as knowing Jesus. He had to get to Jesus. Some of y'all know Jesus. You know about Jesus, but you don't know him. You've heard about him. You've heard me talk about him. You've heard other people talk about him, but you gotta know him up close and personal, like that woman that had to fight her way through the crowd to get to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want a long-distance relationship. He wants you getting close. 
He wants you staying close. He wants you in his presence. That's what he, you gotta run to. And when that woman, think about that woman, when she had to press through to get to Jesus, what was she pressing through? She was pressing through 12 years of disappointment, 12 years of prayers that had not yet been answered, 12 years of doubt. Will it ever change? Can I really ask God again? Because you know she had prayed before then. 12 years of, of, of discouragement. Some of you are gonna have to press through some stuff today. You're gonna have to press through to get to Jesus today. She had to press through people around her that didn't want her there. She had to press through what people would say because she was an outcast. She wasn't even supposed to be there, but she had to get to Jesus. She was desperate for Jesus. Can I tell you, blessed are the desperate because they're gonna get to God. Blessed are the dead. They'll do whatever they got to do to get to Jesus. They're going to rip a roof off if they have to, to get to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be like Zacchaeus. They're going to climb up in a tree. They'll trade their dignity for an encounter with deity. Whatever it takes, God, I got to get in your, I want to, I don't care. Spit in my eyes, put mud on there. I don't care. I want to, I want to see. I am desperate, God, for you. I pray that we would be a church that is desperate for God. Desperate for an encounter with God because he's the only one that can take care of the problems and the situations and the needs that we have. Can I let you in on a little secret? Miracles happen in the places where he's present. Miracles happen in the places where Jesus is present and you're putting yourself in one of those places today. Jesus says in Matthew 18, where two or three, two or more are gathered together, there in my name, there I am, all up in the middle of it. So today, as we gather in this place, Jesus, the King is in the room. We don't just gather to look at each other and sing some songs, sing karaoke, he is here. We are worshiping God. We're worshiping the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's in the, when you get your kids here on a Sunday, you're getting them into the presence of Jesus. You get your students here every Wednesday night, you're getting them into the presence of Jesus. Dear God, you know they need to be in the presence of Jesus? All the parents said? Amen. Get them in the presence of Jesus. Prayer is another place where you put yourself in the presence of, of Jesus. You put yourself in a place for a miracle. In fact, every miracle I read about in the Bible started with prayer. You read the book of Acts, page after page, over and over, the church would gather, they would pray, the place would be shaken, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and signs and wonders and miracles happened after that. Started with prayer, putting themselves in a place to encounter God. I think about when the church was gathered, praying all night, when Peter was in prison, and the angel of the Lord, while they were praying, goes into prison and releases them. The miracle of Peter being released happened in the moment of prayer. And in a minute, we're gonna take some time to pray, and we believe there's gonna be a release and a freedom and a wholeness that's gonna come. Prayer puts you in that place. See, the power of prayer is that it connects you with the power of God. Power of prayer actually connects you to the power of God. And prayer is what we do while we're waiting for a miracle. And many of us are <laughs> waiting for a miracle, right? Look at Psalm 27, verse 14. It says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Some of you have lost heart. I wanna tell you today, take heart. Leave that verse up for a minute. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong. Don't give up. You've been praying about something. Maybe you've stopped praying about something. Today we're gonna to start praying about it again. 
Maybe there's a miracle you stop believing for. We're gonna start believing for it today. Take heart and wait for the Lord. That word wait in the, in the Hebrew actually means to hope in the Lord, to look for with confidence. So you're not just waiting, you're like waiting. Yeah. Nine. Right? You're waiting with expectation. And in that waiting, what you're doing is you're reminding yourself of God's faithfulness. While you're waiting, you're reminding yourself of his goodness, of the times he's come through before you before. And you're actually thanking him in advance for the answer that's coming, which is actually called faith. And you may say, well, Todd, what happens when you're waiting and you don't see anything change? Like the miracle you've been praying for, huh? The, the, the prayers seem unanswered. What I do for myself when I'm in that, and I'm in that right now with a couple of situations I'm believing God for, I go back to Hebrews 11, that faith is being certain of what I do not yet see. I may see it in my spirit mind, I see it as I'm praying, but I haven't seen it yet in the physical. I haven't seen it yet in, in the natural, but I'm believing for it in the supernatural and I have to remind myself that God is working even when I can't see how he's working. I'm gonna trust that he's working behind the scenes, putting it all together. And um, many times when we don't see uh, what we wanna see, what we're asking God for, a lot of times we as Christians, we blame God. We get angry with God. Don't you hear me? Don't you, don't you care? Don't you care about my child? Don't you care about my marriage? Don't you care about my company and my business? God, don't, and we push away from the only one that can actually calm the storm. The only one that can raise the dead. We push ourselves away with our, our pain and our questions. Maybe we need to ask some different questions. What I've had to do uh, when I have been in seasons of, of waiting, I had to, I've had to ask some questions. First question I ask myself is, um, is what I'm praying for, for his glory? Because um, all signs and wonders and miracles are gonna point to Jesus. So I have to ask myself, is what I'm praying for, is it actually gonna bring glory to God? Is it gonna glorify him or is it just something I want? Uh, the second question I have to ask myself is, is it in agreement with God's will? Because it says here in James 4 that we will not receive what we're asking for, sometimes because we ask with wrong motives. So I have to check my motives. Why am I wanting him to do this? Is I'm just wanting more comfort, I'm wanting relief, am I wanting something from... And the third one, which is usually the one that gets me is when I ask the question, is God's timing different than Todd's timing? It usually is. See, here's what we know. Even while we're waiting, we know. We know, we know that he is our healer. We know that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, present tense, ongoing. And in just a few minutes, we're gonna spend some time together praying for healing, praying for miracles. Our teams are gonna be coming up, we're gonna be laying hands on and we're gonna be believing for you, maybe what you can't believe for yourself. You can borrow some of my faith. I got a little bit extra today. So what do we do while we're waiting? We keep praying, we keep believing. Second thing that we do to get a mindset for a miracle is we have to feed our faith. You gotta feed your faith. Faith. You remember in Matthew chapter 17, uh, Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a little tiny mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, that mountain of fear, that mountain of doubt, that mountain of debt, that mountain of pride, you can say to that mountain, move from here to there, and he says, it will move. That's good news right there. 
All we gotta have is just a little bit of mustard seed faith. But can I ask you a question? What are you supposed to do with a seed? Yeah, you're not supposed to keep it a seed. A seed is not meant to, to stay in your hand and stay small. A seed is supposed to get planted. A seed is supposed to get watered. A seed is supposed to get nourished. A seed is supposed to get fed so that it can grow up into something. Your faith can start small, it just can't stay small, right? <laughs> Some of you have been walking around with the same old faith you had when you first got saved, saying, well, all I need is this little mustard seed faith. That's all God said I have to have is a little mustard seed faith. He also said, oh, ye of little faith. Grow that thing, right? Plant it, do something with it, right? You need to grow up in your faith. Nudge your neighbor next to you and say, grow that thing. Just tell them, nut, grow, grow your. Now we know some things that feed our faith. You know this, but I'm gonna tell you again, because sometimes we forget it. The word of God feeds our faith. You read this word, you see what God did in the word of God. That's who he is, what he's done for others. He will do for you. That feeds your faith. Sometimes uh, when I get around other people of faith, they feed my faith, right? Because I hear them talking about their walk with God. I hear them talking about their prayer life. And it makes me go, oh, I wanna pray more. I hear them talking about what they're getting out of the scripture. It makes me want that. So you get around the right people, they feed your faith. So that's some of y'all's problem. You're around people with no faith. How's that working for you? I can guarantee you it is not feeding your faith. Show me your friends and I'll show you your faith. I'll show, you get around people of faith, men and women of faith, praying, believing, believing God, focused on God, all of a sudden you're gonna be like praying and believing and focused on God just like them. Now remember back in this story, Jesus had to kick out the doubters. When he got to the house, before he could raise the girl back to life again, it says he had to, verse 39, it says Jesus goes into the house and he says, in verse 39, why all this commotion and wailing? She's not dead, just asleep, they laughed at him, which means mocked him, and he put them all out. Their disbelief, their lack of belief was a problem. So Jesus had to kick out the doubt. Anything, anything that would cause disbelief had to be removed from the house. Now, disbelief is anything that is moving in the opposite direction of believing God, the opposite direction of trusting God, the opposite direction of following God, because believing is more than just a head knowledge, it's a life thing. So anything that's moving in the opposite direction of believing God has got to be removed. And some of us have been putting up with things in our lives, in our homes, in our families, that are moving in the opposite direction of believing God. And they're actually standing in the way of you experiencing the power of faith in your life. And we've gotta do what Jesus did. We gotta kick some stuff out. So maybe, maybe uh, it's, it's doubt. You question God. You question what he says. I don't know that that could, that could do that for me. And I know he did it for that, but I'm not sure that. And so we, we, we have this doubt. Anything that is causing us to not believe the word of God, we've got to say, I'm gonna identify it. I'm gonna take it captive. And guess what? I am going to kick it out. It, it might show up as, um, as fear, fear of the unknown, 
fear of uh, the future. Oh, well, what if this happens? We have to remind ourselves, wait a minute. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So this is a spirit that doesn't come from God. It doesn't belong in my life or in my household or with my kids or out of my mouth. I'm gonna cast it out in Jesus' name. It, it, might, it might evidence itself as worry and anxiety, thinking that you can actually do more for yourself by worrying about something than trusting God to take care of that something. We have to take it captive and we have to cast it out, kick out anything that is moving in the opposite direction of believing God. Now that can take on many different forms in your life. And you gotta look and go, what is there in my life, in my family, in my home, that is actually moving in the opposite direction of God and his truth? It, it, could, be, um, it could be the way you talk to each other in your house, right? Well, you, <laughs> yeah, but you, <laughs> and then we ask God to bless our family. He's probably saying, why don't you bless your family? Why don't you bless your spouse? Why don't you bless your kids? Take it captive, kick it out. For some, it's uh, what you're watching on TV. Oh, we had a little moan right here at Gardens Campus, yeah. Just imagine if Jesus were watching it with you, sitting right there. You'd be grabbing the remote control. Oh, 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 wait. We fast forward through this part. <laughs> Why don't you take it captive and say, I don't want anything in my home that's moving me in the opposite direction of what God has for my home. I'm gonna kick it out. Could be what you're looking at on this computer screen. He's looking over your shoulder. Kick it out in Jesus' name. It might be. It might be something that you have grown so accustomed to. It's been around for so long. You've just gotten used to it. It's become a part of the furniture right here. And uh, when you turn it around, you actually see what it is. It's sin. And you've got to get that sin. You can't justify it. You can't talk about it. You can't rationalize it. You've got to get it out. Kick out anything that's moving in the opposite direction. And... Just because you kicked it out doesn't mean it won't try to come back. You gotta shut the door. And when fear and anxiety come knocking at the door again, don't answer it. Just treat it like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Go hide in your kitchen. When, when temptation comes knocking at your door and it'll just keep knocking at your door. Don't go like, who is it? No, you know who it is. You turn the worship up just a little bit louder in your house. Kick it out of your house. And then don't just shut the door. You need to lock the door. You need, you need to bolt the door closed right here. You need to go, I'm taking every thought captive and making it obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I am, I'm locking it up, man. I am locking it up. I'm locking it. And I'm actually going to not throw away the key. This is accountability. I'm going to get accountability in my life. And I'm actually going to hand the key to an accountability partner right here, Antonio. You got the key, all right? So you help me keep that door shut because I don't want anything in my life that's going to keep me moving away from God. So not only... And not only did Jesus kick some stuff out, but he had to bring some people in. He brought in people of faith. He surrounded himself with people of faith, which is why in a couple of weeks when we start our groups and our, and our classes again, you gotta get around some people that are actually gonna build up your faith and stir your faith. And the last thing, and then we're gonna pray, is you gotta speak life over your problems. 
You gotta speak life over your problems. Jesus kicked out the doubters and then he said, little girl, get up. He spoke life over that dead thing. And you know, we've talked before, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. You get to choose. Too many of us are speaking death over our situations. We're rehearsing how bad it is or how awful the problem is and we're, how hope, we're confessing with our mouth negative death over. Well, it's never gonna get any better. My marriage is never gonna get any better. Well, if you keep talking like that, it's never gonna get any better. You gotta take control and speak life. Speak words of faith, words of prayer that actually invite the presence of God into the situation. And so that's what we're gonna do right now today. I'm gonna ask our prayer teams at all of our campuses and our pastors to come forward. We're gonna take time to pray. We are not done with the service, so please stay with us. This is actually a time where we're gonna respond to the work of God and the word of God. And there are people in this room at all of our locations, those of you online, you need a miracle today. And so our team is ready to pray over you. And like, uh, maybe like the woman, you gotta push through some stuff and you need a miracle for healing in your family or healing in a relationship or healing in your body. I believe God's gonna heal people physically today. In fact, you don't even need to wait until I'm done talking. If you need it, you start coming right now. You work your way to the front and then our team in a moment is gonna lead us in a song. If you do not need a miracle, I want you to pray over the people that are coming forward, carry each other's burdens, and maybe ask God the question, God, what should I be believing you for? What miracles should I be trusting you for today? And then in a minute, our teams are gonna come and, and dismiss us. But until then, I mean, let's pray together. I'm gonna kick off this time of prayer. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Father God, we thank you that we can take you at your word. We thank you that your promise is yes and amen to us. And so today we believe that you're our healer. We believe that you're more than enough. We believe that everything that we have need of, you have today. So we run to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Come on, let's pray together. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.